It's time for that Monday Night Raw review that saw Sonya Deville officially under investigation by WWE Upper Management. Ezekiel takes a lie detector test from Kevin Owens. Edge and Damian Priest attack AJ Styles in the locker room. We have a new United States champion. And yes, we are going to open the show by talking about the commitment ceremony. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting open to the show. Let's get it all started right now. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. You're gonna acknowledge me. All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday Night Raw review on the WWE podcast. It is Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Appreciate everybody taking some time to be with here uh, us here today, tonight, whatever, whatever morning, afternoon, whatever time it may be for you. Thank you. And we have got a lot to cover with Monday Night Raw that I thought was a very productive Raw. May not have been my favorite Raw, and certainly there were a segment or two that didn't exactly tickle my fancy. I'll just put it very nicely and professionally like that, um, and we're gonna we're gonna definitely dive into that. Uh, but before I do, I want to give a shout out to our latest patron who has joined us over, of course, on Patreon. Where else? And that is Evan and Matthews Collectible Toy Collection. Yep, that is the name, and uh, Evan and Matthews Collectible Toy Collection. Uh, thank you for real. Thank you for uh, for joining us here on the WWE podcast. You have gotten yourself into a tier that you can view video that I will be publishing a brand new one tonight. Uh, and it's going to be about Stone Cold Steve Austin and the actual real possibility of him returning at WrestleMania 39. Not just my speculation, not just dirt that has been picked up by the dirt sheets. They even still call them dirt sheets, but rather real sources. And what am I, when am I, what do I mean by real sources? I mean the man himself straight from the horse's mouth. Stone Cold Steve Austin commented on this and we're going to have a quick video on that. Just a couple of minutes that's going, that I'll be doing that. I'll be covering Stone Cold Steve Austin's potential return to WrestleMania 39 in LA. So you're not going to miss that. You can join Evan and Matthew's collectible toy collection and everyone else over at Patreon, if you want to get an ad-free experience and you don't want to deal with all the plugs and everything, you can get yourself ad-free in the door for a dollar, as well as on Apple Podcasts. There's a subscribe button on Apple for 99 cents a month. And on our website at www.podcast.com, you can go VIP and get yourself ad-free everything, including the video. The video is included on our website, uh, so you're not going to want to miss that if you are interested. So... I also did do a part two or an episode two of WWE podcast after dark that was released a couple of days ago. And let me just say it was, I think it was a decent follow-up to my first after dark. And what are the topics at hand? An extremely inappropriate spring break story part two. And some of the things that really just uh, really, really get me angry. There's, there's the only way I can put it. That's not uh that's not an R-rated uh, verbiage. So check out the After Dark uh, podcast that's only available also on Patreon and our website at www.podcast.com if you want to go VIP there. So if you want to get After Dark, it is certainly not for the family, okay? It is for adult ears only, and I cannot stress that enough. 
If you're listening to the After Dark show on on Patreon or on our website, please make sure you're not doing it on you know the the ride to school, right? Or you're not at work with this. <laughs> if you have headphones on, I guess it's okay. But um, let me just make sure that you you understand what kind of uh, podcast After Dark is. It's exactly what it sounds like it is. Okay. So anyway, I'd like you to offer that invitation, extend the invitation to anybody who wants a little bit more of an adult content and just, man, does this guy ever cuss? Does he ever say the F word? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Okay. I mean, definitely. Then you get to hear that and a lot more in graphic detail on the After Dark show. And yeah, so uh, tomorrow, guys, we are going to be having, I still believe I'm uh, still on for an interview. That will be posted later tomorrow, as well as the mailbag. It's going to be a busy day for me tomorrow night uh, with the mailbag and interview that I'll be doing back to back. So uh, definitely a busy night for me, but great for you guys if you love content. And I'm really excited to be able to share both of those with you. By the way, if you want to join the mailbag, email us at realwwepodcast, <coughs> excuse me, at gmail.com um, or mailbag at wwepodcast.com. So we're also trying to get t-shirts up. Okay, this is the last bit of housekeeping guys and i'm gonna jump into raw i know i do this every time some of you probably skip the first five minutes and i get it but on our um on our website i'm trying to get our t-shirt sales up like for just our logo and things you can also get a t-shirt if you are subscribed on the um the higher tiers of patreon for three months you get a mug and a t-shirt but i also want to be able to allow you guys to buy them directly through us and if you're interested because we have our logo, we have uh, some, not just my logo, but other things that we're going to sell on there. And I'm trying to get it up and running and I am not exactly a web designer. Let me just put it that way. And it seems to be much more complicated than I had first imagined. I want to get us up on prowrestlingtees.com, but they keep rejecting me for the simple fact that they think I'm affiliated with WWE or pretending that I am and I'm not. And I've made that very clear. So I'm going to try prowrestlingtees.com because they are the easiest possible solution. Uh, So I'm going to see if they have uh, somebody I can speak to. Anyway, my point is, if you're interested in uh, t-shirts and anything else, uh, we're trying to get that up and running. But it's available on Patreon if you are subscribed for three months or more on our higher tiers. All right, let's start out with that segment that um, it just went too long. And that segment, of course, is the commitment ceremony that saw Reginald and Dana Brooke, as well as Tamina and Akira Tozawa in in a commitment ceremony hosted by R-Truth, along with a cast of characters that have nothing else going on creatively, so they were stuck out there because nothing else is going on, although I have to say the women's tag team champions out there for this segment made no sense, as well as it made no sense with Austin Theory having people come out and celebrate him. Why? What? We'll get to that in a minute uh, with Austin Theory and the United States Championship, but this in particular, this commitment ceremony, are we? can we not say double wedding? Like what? Maybe it's because it had to do with the 24-7 title. Maybe I missed the whole premise. And maybe I missed the whole premise. And if I did, somebody out there is going to yell at me, and that's fine. Uh, Because it's not a lot. A lot of times the 24-7 title is not on the Hulu version. And I watch the Hulu version and then still try to catch up on the the things that I missed that fell through the cracks of Hulu. But I don't remember ever this being a thing where people decided that having a commitment ceremony would somehow also have something to do with the 24 seven title. Now the 24 seven title was showcased on uh, stage, so to speak, and everyone was getting married ish or, or were they just committing to not, um, were they committing to not challenge each other for the 24 seven title? I think that was the premise. Maybe I am mistaken either way. 
whatever the premise was and that they were trying to do to, to feed to us, the only saving grace of this entire segment was our truth. The only, the only segment of this that, that saved anything was, was our truth because our truth and WWE knows this is always good for a laugh. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean it in a very complimentary comedy is extremely hard to do way because very few wrestlers, not performers, like I called out by DJ Kuzmo. So I've been drinking the WWE Kool-Aid too. I hear performers so much that eventually I guess I got worn down and I just went with performers. The wrestlers, sorry. Um, I, I really am. In, I'm embarrassed that I was saying performers last week. But the, my point is that it, for most wrestlers, comedy does not come easy. It is extremely hard to do, which is why there are so few comedians selling out stadiums and things. Very few. It's not easy. And our truth possesses the comedy quality. And I, I want to make that point clear when I say he's good for a laugh. That's what I mean uh, in a complimentary way. But he really was the only saving grace of this segment because I don't care if they were actually supposed to get married or they were just committing to each other that they wouldn't challenge each other for the 24-7 title, whatever the hell this was. Okay. Um, and you have the weird cast of characters that uh, WWE decided needed to be out there to make it look like a commitment slash wedding. I don't know. Um, and then uh, R-Truth, I think the best part of this whole thing, and there is actually a best part, the funniest part, if there is one, is when R-Truth said, by the power in my vest, and he said that a couple of times. He said that a couple of times, like instead of the power invested in me, he said, and and by the power in my vest, I, and I, I cracked up. He said it a couple of times, even the king on commentary was laughing at that. And I enjoy the king being very subdued on commentary too. He's filling in for Corey Graves, who's on his honeymoon. I think he's back next week. And the king on commentary, I have to say, was very subdued, very uh, under the radar. And that's a good thing. Because I'm a fan of a two-man booth anyway. When you add three, there's just too many. It's just, it gets overcrowded. There's too much traffic. So I think that having the king be under the radar and letting the guys do what they do was a smart move. Uh, whether that was intentional or not, that's how I came off. But uh, my, my point is about this segment, that was probably the best part of it. Now, where things really got awful for me was everybody switching up. Like Tamina was playing hot potato with everybody. And like they, they were trying on different combinations of people. Why? I mean, the best part of it was when the crowd cheered because Tamina was trying to commit to or marry uh, Dana Brooke and people cheered that even Dana Brooke seemed to be on board and boy, couldn't you specifically hear the male audience cheering that it reminded me of the old days, a little HLA for those of you in the Eric Bischoff era. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the HLA, just imagine HLA. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google that acronym, okay? HLA stands for something that it would get up. I mean, it would it would be people would go to WWE headquarters with knives and pitchforks. I mean, it, it would be it'd be a bad day at the office if you, if WWE ever brought that back. But I mean, that was only what twenty years ago, not forever ago. But anyway, it felt a little bit retro. And then we even had our truth say, "Was that PG?" You know, he he even kind of questioned it. Our truth was the only thing that held the only glue that held this mess together. I don't understand any of it. And then we had uh, Reginald turn on Dana to win the belt. And then I think Tamina or uh, yeah, Tamina won it. And then Akira Tozawa. And then uh, we had Dana Brooke win it back from Akira Tozawa and run out of the uh, ring as still 24 seven title, a 24 seven champion. So, I mean, I, th this to me is just, you either love this kind of crap or you hate it. 
you either love it, you love this entertainment, you love the E in WWE, or you minimize the E and you love the second W. I think oftentimes WWE forgets they have two W's. They're not just world entertainment. They forget the middle part. They would love you to forget the middle part. They would love to have you forget that WWE actually stands for something. They would love to have you forget that the, the word wrestling does not exist in their name. They, they would love to make you believe that. And they'd love to make you forget that it actually does. So um, for me, it's the second W with a sprinkle of E because you got to have a little bit of the E. This to me was way too long. I mean, the segment went on way too long. The fact that they cut this part out or, or they added this to Hulu was I mean, they, they must have felt proud of this segment or something. I really don't know who is the judge and jury for what goes on Hulu and what doesn't. I would imagine their production team, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure Vince has a big say. I'm, I'm sure the, the head of production and TV production does, uh, head of creative, whoever those individuals may be at this time. It seems like it'd be a revolving door, especially in creative. So I don't know. I'd love to know who and how and what is decided of what goes on Hulu. What isn't, is it decided beforehand or does it, is it decided post-production when they're like, yeah, that looked like crap. Let's not put that on TV or this isn't really important. Let's not put this on Hulu. So, all right, well, let's move on to me. This was a, if I was going to give this segment a grade, it'd be a D plus. And the only thing that's keeping it from an F is our truth. That's it. This is a D plus segment. And, and I'm very curious to see, uh, this week in Memphis, Mark, if you're listening or Tennessee, Ted, I don't care one of you two, if you want to comment on this segment, I would love to hear it. Or do I want to, <laughs> I don't know if I do. I really don't because when I, uh, when I watched this segment, all I could think of was the hatred that you have for the 24 seven title. And it made me laugh. So I'm, I'm interested to hear if you can refrain from four letter words. I, uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. All right. Well, let's move on and uh, let's get to another segment here. I'm going to try to find one I didn't hate, which actually there are a lot of. That is, let's see, Sonya Deville explained herself, inserting explained inserting herself into the championship match against Bianca Belair. Belair interrupted pretty quickly and Deville told Belair that she can't touch her until the match, uh, until the match or she'd be assaulting a WWE official. Belair Looked like she was going to defy her and lifted DeVille for a KOD, but just kind of tossed her off, didn't actually complete the move when DeVille threatened to strip her of the Raw Women's Championship. So I have to say, why are we still buying this narrative? I mean, it made Naomi look like a fool. I mean, for months, it made Naomi look like an absolute tool bag. And Naomi shouldn't because I, I made a case, by the way, for Naomi being a, uh, a women's champion over Ronda Rousey. I, I think that that is a good thing. I made that case on the weekend review. And I think that I, I stand by that. But my point is for we, for months and months and months, I went on for like six months with Sonya Deville and Naomi. She, she, Sonya hid behind her suit and said, when I'm wearing this, I'm an official when I'm not, then no, that'd be like me going to work. Okay. And saying, well, when I'm wearing a tie, I'm, I'm your supervisor. When I come in in just a polo shirt, I'm not your supervisor. That's not how thing. That's not how like reality works for all of us. Okay, here on Earth, that's not how it works. 
apparently in this alternate universe, you can just put a jacket on and off and apparently you just change roles. Yeah, that's that's not how the corporate world works. But um, now we're seeing it again, the same narrative being pushed on Bianca. And she at least came, you know, very close to defying Sonya Deville. But if anybody just had, a, you know, two two brain cells to rub together in creative, they would say, why the hell isn't anyone going to upper management or to Vince? And saying this is this is BS. Like, just take her out. How many times did we see her in the Attitude Era, the Ruthless Aggression Era, even into some sometimes into the PG Era, where we'd have people attack authority figures, and there'd be there'd be repercussions, but there's always a way to get around the. Well, you're fired. You you lay your hands on me, you're fired. Yeah, okay, right. Like, just I don't know. It's making the baby faces look stupid. In this case, it's not as egregious as Naomi. At least Bianca thought about it, but didn't want to put her career on the line or, or jeopardize her raw women's championship. I, I, I don't know. Or you know, whatever the case may be. Adam Pierce did at least say to Sonya after this segment that she is being investigated internally. Good. This should have happened, you know, a freaking year ago, but at least it's now better than never. And that she did fine Sonya Deville and or fine, fine Bianca Belair, which ended up being a dollar, which Shows you where Adam Pierce's loyalties lie. Adam Pierce now seems to be the uh, the light battling the darkness of Sonya Deville in the management side of things. Um, and by the way, Sonya on her promo said that she didn't wake up wanting to be an official. Well, how exactly did that happen? Again, I've said this for over a year. They will never explain it. They will never. How does somebody just transition instantly from a wrestler to a actual WWE official and have the ability to just abuse their power on a weekly basis with nobody saying boo about it. I mean, did the board just turn their heads for the last year and go, eh, well, unless anybody complains, we're not going to do anything about it. You know, it's anyway, I'm digging into the weeds here, but at least they didn't. I don't think this made Bianca look like a fool, but it did kind of, you did still want Bianca to be defiant and put her, put herself out there and say, no, you attacked me last week. See, that's the thing. This is probably the biggest thing I have, the hang-up I have. And this is this is just so ridiculous. And this actually applied to Naomi's storyline with her, too. Is that Naomi was, a, or rather, Sonya Deville attacked Bianca last week. So tell me again why exactly not only is Sonya Deville still not fired as an official or fined or both. And why can't uh, Bianca Belair return in kind? Like, wh- there's no self-defense that applies here. There's no, uh, you know, physical provocation rule that you know many WWE officials, including Stone Cold, for many years as a GM, co-GM, sheriff had. I know that's we're talking, you know, 1918, 17 years ago, but still, it just doesn't make any sense that you can have manager, a manager, your manager. Imagine this, right? You go to work and you, your your boss just assaults you. I mean, beats you to a pulp. And then the next day you come in, you don't file charges. You don't ask for a fine. Nothing. Nothing happens. There's no penalty. You come in the next day and then they're hiding behind their title saying you can't touch me or you're fired, essentially. Yeah, well, um, I think you forfeited that when you assaulted me yesterday. So to me, I mean, this, this is just... I don't know why they're holding 
that so high in regard above every other thing that they could be doing that you can't touch Sonya Deville because, well, I I have my jacket on. It's just that I I don't know. This internal investigation, there's nothing to investigate. I mean, you have exhibit A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I mean, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You have, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Like, you have everything. I mean, there, there's a zillion examples that management could be looking at um, if this was a real investigation. Of course, I'm ranting about something that's not real, but you guys catch my drift. Um, either way, I mean, look, the one thing I will say is that it's a, I, I enjoy Sonya Deville a lot on the mic. She's a good heel. She got really good heat from the crowd. Uh, Bianca, I think it's going to work well with her. I don't think Sonya's going to win the belt, but it's not impossible. I have to say, I don't think it's impossible that Sonya Deville wins the belt at backlash. I don't think it is. I wouldn't say it's probable. I would say it's not impossible. So, uh, it's going to be a fun time. I think with this, uh, these two, and I hope the investigation, I mean, it should have came back instantly. Like what, what more is there to, um, what more is there to do beyond looking just even if you only just looked at last week, never mind the, you know, 13 other months that she abused her power on a weekly basis, particularly with Naomi for six months. But just looking at one incident last week, assaulting, unprovoked, uh, a WWE wrestler for no reason should have been more than enough to boot her ass out of that position. So again, there shouldn't be an investigation. That's incompetence on the board's part. Anyway, I'm pretending this is real, which makes it fun. Okay, so let's get on here. Uh, Veer Mahan. Yeah, Veer Mahan watch. Oh yeah, buddy DJ. Uh, Veer Mahan was on Raw, although not on Hulu, if you care about such things. Uh, He defeated uh, Jeff Brooks with the cervical clutch. It's the same thing he did to Dominic the week before about not letting go of that clutch. He just continued to lock it in and try to injure his opponents. I didn't have a problem with this. It seems to be the slow build for him where there's going to be a lot of these local enhancement talents that come up and are essentially there to just take a beating and leave. And WWE pays them, you know, 500 bucks and hey, have a good night. Thanks for taking your beating and your lumps. See ya. I mean, that probably is what they're doing here with local talent, and eventually he'll graduate to actual, you know, on uh, main roster talent. Start low and work his way up, but it seems to be a slow build, and I'm cool with that. I want them to be very confident in who and what Virmahan is if they have a long term plan. Okay, let's see here. Uh, oh, Ezekiel passed the Kevin Owens lie detector test. Yes, proving. That he is not Elias. The test was conducted by Chad Gable. I didn't hate this. I have to say. Now, I did make reference last week and the week before. And even this week. That Kevin Owens has fallen into the ether. Now, when you compare that to Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Like, you are the person on the other side of the ring. From Stone Cold Steve Austin in his return match from 19 years ago. I mean, that that is the pinnacle of Kevin Owens' career. I really don't believe Kevin Owens will have a bigger WrestleMania moment. Even if he wins the WWE Championship, no. To me, this I I could retire if I was Kevin Owens and be so totally happy. I mean, 
that that's how big of a moment that this is. And he will carry that for his entire life and his career that he had a match with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was the one that coaxed him into bring, you know, convinced him enough to come back. He, you know, he is that guy. Uh, and it's, it's really a hell of a story that one that I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about in the years to come. Uh, it's going to be, it's cool. It's really cool. So, but anyway, Going from that to Ezekiel, I did say last week and the week before that this was a fall off a cliff, right, essentially. And, yeah, I guess it is in terms of name viability, in terms of just overall storyline position, the fact that he's not even on the Hulu cut now. But that said, this is starting to, I guess, kind of warm up to me. And I think a lot of that has to do with Kevin Owens' all-in approach on things. Kevin Owens has a very all-in approach, and I'm really uh, liking what I'm seeing from Kevin, even though he knows that we all know that he has gone from Stone Cold Steve Austin to Ezekiel. But his effort makes a difference here, and him being obsessed with trying to prove that Ezekiel is Elias is is kind of funny and, and starting to grow on me a little bit, a little bit. It's not the best thing on Raw by far, but I'm I'm on board for it right now. Okay, so, and this clearly is going to result in a match between Ezekiel and Kevin Owens. Uh, Yeah, which we'll see. All right, Ezekiel then challenged Chad Gable, but he he did defeat him via disqualification after interference from Otis because Otis attacked Ezekiel after it looked like he had the match won. So it's kind of your standard WWE disqualification uh, result here. So Ezekiel remains undefeated, uh, as he probably will for a while, and Chad Gable continues his losing streak. I mean, Chad Gable's on a terrible losing streak, I have to say. Okay, the Women's Tag Team Championship, Naomi and Sasha Banks defeat Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley after, uh, via pinfall. This is um, one of the, one of the uh, places I'm reading here that reviewed this. Um, and I know a lot, some of you don't like when I do this, but, um, cause you think I'm just being lazy. I didn't see the match. I don't know my own analysis. Yeah. Well, guess what? My show, my rules. All right. Anyway, um, one of the places I'm looking called this a sloppy match. I, I don't think this was sloppy. I, I, I don't, this was not, I, I didn't think this was a, this was a clean, crisp, you know, like wrestling clinic, one that would be and should be viewed by wrestling st- uh, students across the world, but I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't call it sloppy. I think that's a little, uh, a little harsh. It was okay. I think the match was okay. Um, but the biggest point of this was not just that Naomi and uh, Sasha retained their women's tag team titles, but it's the reaction from Rhea Ripley, who snapped on Liv Morgan, who blamed her for the loss, uh, and then attacked her from behind. That is the story here. It's not necessarily. The, uh, the the story about Naomi and Sasha Banks retaining. I mean, that is significant because I think there was some people that believe Liv and Rhea could be on target for a run with the titles. But rather, the, the heel turn by Rhea Ripley. That seems to be the story. And it's good news if you're a Rhea fan. It's good news if you're a Rhea fan. And honestly, if you're a Liv Morgan fan too. And amazingly, guys, think about this. We had four women's tag team tag teams before WrestleMania. They magically came up with four to have a fatal four way to make it create the illusion that there was an actual women's tag team division. 
two of those four. What did I say? Following WrestleMania, what did I say, guys? I said, look out. They're going to dissolve these teams quick because they need their single stars back because that's what they truly are by nature, not tag teams. And lo and behold, we have two of the four who have dissolved in Carmella and uh, Queen Zelina. And now you have Rhea and Liv who have gone bye-bye. It's it's amazing. Now we're going to be limited down to a very select few that actually can challenge for those beloved women's tag team championships. Oh, good grief. But the match, okay, the match was okay. But again, good news if you're a Rhea or Liv fan because they are now both on their own after they get through their program, however long it takes, probably one or two months at least. Then they'll be back off on their own. And I think that Liv Morgan likely has a higher ceiling than does Liv Morgan. Rhea Ripley has a higher ceiling than Liv Morgan does at this point. Uh, Given that Rhea Ripley has not been in a singles role for a while, she's been on the kind of the back burner. Liv Morgan has had several women's championship matches and she's lost them all. Uh, I, I foresee Rhea Ripley coming out of this victorious and being awarded a women's championship matchup. It only makes sense, too, given that we have um, we have uh, Bianca Belair, who is a babyface, and Rhea and Bianca put on excellent matches. And remember the Royal Rumble, not this past year, but in 2021, their ending of the Royal Rumble was far spirited to the men's, and they, they can go. And I'm very curious and and interested to see Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, which is or rather Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, which is where they're headed. That's the point of this because they're trying to line up the next opponent for, uh, for Bianca. And I think that that's going to be Rhea Ripley. Okay, let's continue on. We have up next the street profits who took on RK bro. They beat RK bro with a doomsday device on Riddle, and then the Prophets admitted to tricking RK-Bro by um, by using playing the Usos music during the match, which caused a distraction and them allowed, allowed them to get the victory. First of all, if anybody else calls it the Usos, again, it's not Y-O-U, it's just U-S, okay? Uso, they even have, if by the way, you don't know the pronunciation, their entrance music even tells you how to pronounce it every time. <laughs> and yet somehow people still say you so. Now, Kofi Kingston would say it on purpose that way because he's a total just a, a obnoxious D-bag character. But it seems as if Montez Ford didn't mean to say it, at least on purpose. And he said, you so. Can people just not pronounce Uso? I mean, how much easier does it get? Uso. Okay. Anyway, but was this a heel turn by the uh, Street Profits? Or was this just more them trying to get themselves in the mix by saying, hey, we're here too. pay attention to us. You know, I do wonder, let me know what you guys think about that. I really don't know if I would classify this as a heel turn. They didn't really cheat to win. And by the way, how did they cue the music? And how did they know when to hit it, even if they could? I mean, I mean, did they have somebody in the production truck? Did they have a conversation before and say, hey, when we're in trouble, hit the Usos music? I would imagine, right? That's the only thing we can think of. Because how else did they do it? Telepathically? You know, I've never heard of that before. But I get the narrative. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because they're trying to they're trying to say, hey, we're here too. You know? That's what I think. I don't believe, if you're going to ask me, I don't think this is a heel turn personally. But, I mean, it was heel-ish. It was heel-ish. 
but I don't think it was a full turn. That's my take on it. But uh, again, another distraction finish from music. I mean, it's it's amazing how many music distraction finishes there are in WWE. There, there's there's quite a few. Uh, there there really is. But anyway, uh, this match was fine with the Street Profits defeating RK Bro. I didn't have any issue with it. Um, you know, it, it's formulaic. You have Riddle who gets beat down. And he gives the hot tag to. Orton who comes in and does his patented power slam and they go for the RKO. It's, it's almost the same format every single match for these two. I'm complaining and I'm not because the, the formula works, but it's also extremely well, by definition, formulaic predictable. So, all right. Um, let's see here. We also got edge and Damian priest who attacked styles in the locker room and this was after Edge and Damian Priest had a promo, really Edge cutting the promo, and said that this is something that he's been he's been subdued and suppressed, and something that was born and seeded all the way back from the the Brood days. So I like that. I really like that. Actually, that makes total sense to me. Um, he calls he's still in, trying to entrench the mountain of omnipotence in our minds, and Edge just I think knocked it out of the park in this promo. I thought it was very well done, well said. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really did. I thought that uh, I thought that Edge did a great job, and also I think Edge addressed the fact that you know, look where Damian Priest was playing second fiddle to Bad Bunny. Didn't get a match this year in WrestleMania, and now he's here. You know, it, it's all very real stuff, and I love that. I loved that, and, and Edge really did a great job. And he's just, he's so good. I, I i would say right now he might be the best promo on Raw. I really do. So good explanation here. And then they beat down AJ Styles in the locker room after Styles, as expected, accepted Edge's challenge for a match at WrestleMania Backlash. And uh, the, the key here was that the both of them, Damian and Edge, slammed Styles' arm in a locker several times, which is going to lead to clearly an arm injury. And I do wonder if it's the phenomenal forearm arm. And if it is, what does AJ Styles do to overcome that in the next couple of weeks before the pay-per-view, before the live event, which is on May 8th? By the way, guys, May 8th, Mother's Day. So don't forget that. I thought about that the other day. I'm like, whoa, WWE, what a great Mother's Day gift, right? I know my mom would love a pair of wrestling tickets. You know, say, hey, mom, I got I got us tickets to uh, I got us tickets to Backlash. I mean, she would look at me like, what's a backlash, right? She has no idea. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, I, again, I re- I can't say enough about Edge right now. And, and Damien Priest coming along for the ride, I, I so far I like it. I have nothing, nothing bad to say about this at all. Um, I think AJ Styles also should probably get a little bit more promo time, by the way. I got to say, AJ Styles feels like he needs to talk more instead of interrupting him. There's no need to. AJ's a decent on the mic i think he's a step below edge but he's still very respectable even good at times if not very good at times i've seen really good promos particularly when he was facing off against john cena several years ago okay uh the united states championship theory defeated finn balor to win the championship notably clean by the way this was no there was no hocus pocus or belts or pulling on the tights or foreign objects, nothing. This was a clean victory for theory, which I think was a, a good, 
here we go, message to send to fans that this is not a guy that needs help to win all the time. Even if you hate him, you have to respect him. And I think that that was the message they were trying to send to us. Um, and this was, as, as you'd expect, how can you have a bad match with Theory and Balor? I mean, my God, I, you, you can't. You can't. I mean, two guys that it's like Austin. I think Austin Theory is just a bulkier Finn Balor. They look the same almost. Uh, Balor is just a smaller version of Theory. Um, and both of them are really good in their own right. I would actually say Finn Balor is a better promo for sure. But uh, so what happened is Theory hit the A-Town down to get the win. What does that mean, by the way? A-Town? Are we talking about Atlanta? Like the ATL? Like what? I, I, I don't. Maybe I don't understand the meaning behind it. Like a town down. He's even got like some gang sign symbol for it. I, 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 I'm doing it right now. Like I don't even have, like, I don't know what it is. Um, but the weird part, but there's a couple of weird parts to this. Number one that no one's talking about is how did he obtain this matchup? He just was awarded it. I could have missed it completely. And if I did, please call me out. You guys love doing that. It's all good. How exactly would he awarded this match? Number two, how did Finn Balor not even get a promo before this match? Nothing. He's gotten zero mic time. That's a red flag, by the way, if you are um if you're concerned about a star either being demoted, put on the back burner, or even pink slipped down the line, is you see a, a steady decrease in their mic time. Because there's one thing to have them lose every once in a while. You can always bounce back with several wins and then you go on a winning streak, a hot streak, and that that long, that losing streak is forgotten. But when you're not even able to speak and they take the mic away from you, that's usually a telltale sign that you're not exactly a priority right now. I mean, they're not even giving Finn the terrible pre-taped 30-second uh, promos that they play during entrances. It's not, it's not good right now. I mean, how can you not give Finn Balor some kind of mic time here? The only thing they did was for theory and they played a, a pre created video package for him on his career. Short one thus, thus far. So this was, I mean, really good match. Of course I, I, it was, it was totally fine. It's just, there's nothing from Finn Balor's end, nothing. And he's the champion. So, um, weird, but let's move on here to, um, what do I have here? <sighs> the Seth Rollins plan. He tried to, he tried to, uh, sucker Cody into the same situation that he had to face at WrestleMania, which was an unknown opponent. He, uh, you know, he didn't know who to expect. So that's why I lost. And so the end result of the promo at the beginning of raw was to put Cody in that same exact situation where I'm going to pick your opponent. You're not going to know who it is until I pick him, right? And it ended up being Kevin Owens. And so, by the way, I think we can officially say that the brand split's dead. Can we just say, can we just move past, stop fooling ourselves? The announcers aren't even pretending anymore. They're not saying, oh my God, he's from SmackDown. What's he doing here? They don't even bother with that anymore. They were probably told, don't bother. I, I, I imagine that they're just trying to quietly do it. But in, in a, I know they're unifying championships. That's not exactly a quiet thing. But they're they're slowly bringing in people every week from both shows that, are, that shouldn't be on that show with no explanation, no even acknowledgement that they shouldn't be there because they're not from that brand. I think officially we can say the brand split's dead. 
I mean, what other conclusion can we draw at this point? I mean, I know WWE wants to have their way, their cake and eat it too, which they are famous for with these brand splits, but this is the most egregious. If they're trying to still pretend, if they're still in that mindset uh, of trying to try to fool us that there's a brand split, this is the most egregious violation of their brand split I've ever seen. Ever. Um, but uh, so anyway, Kevin Owens is the mystery opponent for Cody. This match was fine. Um, y- you know that the chemistry between Rollins and Owens is is really good, by the way. Or Cody Rhodes and, and Owens. I mean, what did you expect? The one thing I would say is Jimmy Smith, who said, and did anybody else catch this? I almost tweeted it out, but I was just too tired and lazy. Is that he said, it looks like Cody Rhodes, after six years, hasn't missed a step. Hey, hey, Jimmy. Did you miss the fact that he actually didn't stop wrestling? Are we all supposed to pretend that WWE is the only place to go? Are we gonna are we gonna play that game? Is that what we're supposed to be believing? Is is that the nonsense that you're trying to shove into our heads? Is that? Wait, wait, oh yeah, yeah. He he doesn't look like he's missed a, a step. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Right? I mean, can we at least even make like a distant reference to it? We don't have to say their company by name. I know they don't want to give free publicity out. I get that. But for Jimmy Smith to say that is just like, yeah, dude, no kidding. The guy's been in AEW wrestling. Anyway, uh, so this match ended in a disqualification or a countout. It ended in a countout. The main event ends in a countout. Cody's third match ends in a countout. And... It was because Kevin Owens was, I guess, put off by Seth calling him a fat ass. If anybody else caught that, I think that's what set Kevin off after Seth was yelling at him to get into the ring. And Kevin said, screw this. This is your fight after Seth called him a fat ass. And then uh, Kevin went up the ramp and left and he got disqualified. So, boy, if I, again, if I was in the arena, I'd be so angry. Now, I know they have matches after the show uh, to make the crowd go home happy and I, I understand that, but what if, I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't a flat ending to raw, but when your main event ends in a count out, it's just, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. I guess that's it. Right. So fine match. I, I think that Kevin Owens is now bowing out of this and he's just going to st- uh, stay on SmackDown for a while. Um, at least until Ezekiel pops up next week. And then maybe you see Kevin Owens again and trying to disprove the Ezekiel theory. So, that is Monday Night Raw in a nutshell. I think it was a decent show. I think it was a productive show. And I think that it was a, a show that uh, set up WrestleMania Backlash really nicely and continued to do so. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for me, guys, on the Monday Night Raw review. Tomorrow, again, big day of recording, probably two shows being recorded. One is an interview. One is a mailbag. So send in those questions, mailbag at wwpodcast.com as well as call us. You can leave a voicemail and uh, you guys know the number for that. But uh, that is it for me, guys. Consider going VIP on our website with a video that I'll be posting soon about Austin at WrestleMania 39, which is coming straight from Stone Cold himself. <laughs> and uh, that's only available on our website and on Patreon for, for for those in the SmackDown tier and higher. Make that clarification. So everybody, thanks so much for listening. As always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.